Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are tuning into the library with Tim Einico. Rapstation.com. It's out of fever pitch Cause there's a backlash brewing And I'm the wicked witch yeah. Cold kicking up dust Just like a blizzard in black Storms on the horizon To let you know I'm back Shooting my gifts Speaking in riffs With my tongue No sleep Then the mind runs deep Terry B, no the self-proclaimed so Wicked witch of the West Coast Has blazed her own trail in music Signed by the late great Eazy-E She's got from hip-hop to rock And back again Always speaking her mind And always keeping it real She has veteran status And still has plenty more to say Terry B's latest hip-hop album, Vintage Curses, came out of the summer of 2015 and is her third hip-hop album in 25 years. Terry B, welcome to the library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm self-proclaimed. I think a lot of people on the West Coast might think I'm a wicked witch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get that out there right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so, you know, like I said in the intro, the first album, Power of a Woman, came out in 1990. And you were in your 20s. And this latest album, Vintage Curses, comes out 25 years later. And I'm an old crone. And, and why? <laughs> why let's, just get, let's just get right down to the facts. Why, why the delay in the albums, the hip-hop albums? And then why create one now? And then what do you kind of worry? And you, could, you talk about your age in this. What, what worries did you have when you were creating this album? Well, I didn't really have any worries. I think that when you hit 50 years old, you need to stop worrying. You know, you are who you are. You know, back in my 20s, I had a lot of worries. I was a, a young woman coming into hip hop and trying to find my voice and trying to find myself as an artist. And, you know, I think that my record that I just put out, Vintage Curse, is sort of, it, it demonstrates my career as a whole. It, it sort of pays homage to it in the, I would like to say, the lunar aspect, the triple goddess, you know, the maiden mother and crone. I let the moon inspire it, and I, you know, sort of looked at my career in a, a triple goddess aspect, meaning the first part of my career, back in the early 90s, when I was first coming in, I looked at it as the innocent years, you know, the, the maiden, the girl sort of trying to find herself, you know, I guess the, crea- the creatrix, you know, the waxy moon phase, and that's when I first put out The Power of a Woman and was very early on in my career into hip-hop and into, you know, the hip-hop culture as a whole, from graffiti art to, you know, breakdancing and pop-locking and 
all of it, you know, poetry, the music aspect and the art aspect, everything. And, you know, when I made the transformation from hip hop into rock in the sort of early mid 90s, I went into the next phase, which really became my mother phase, so to speak. I mean, it kind of brought me into myself and uh, took me into the heavy metal world where I, I learned to really become myself and become an artist and a writer and a you know, performer and a vocalist and got my chops up and sort of cut my teeth. And when I decided to make this record, you know, 25 years later, it was, it was kind of a strange thing. I'm sure people in the heavy metal world had been talking to me for years about, you know, my past, asking questions about it and couldn't believe I used to be signed to Easy E's label. That was such a crazy thing for people in the hip hop world. I mean, heavy metal world to understand you know, why I'd want to make that transformation. And um, they've always asked me, was I ever going to do another rap record? People that, you know, had my record. And, you know, it wasn't until last year that I really decided, a little bit before last year, actually, I decided I might write a book. And I think it might be time to tell my story. It's been so long. And it's an interesting one. So it sort of all happened within that. I started writing and the inspiration just started coming to me and I thought, you know, I can't really write a book about my hip hop years while I'm playing heavy metal and touring heavy metal and in my heavy metal frame of mind, you know, doing the hard rock music. So I took a break from my band, My Ruin, and just immersed myself into my roots again. And I just started writing a record. And it just happened. My husband helped me co-produce it. We did it together. We, he produces all the My Ruin material. And we had just worked on a record called Teenage Time Killers, which came out last year. And it was a crazy record, a mod podge of all these different vocalists and heavy metal and uh, hard rock and punk rock. And I was a guest on it. I was the only woman on that record. And he'd been in the studio doing that. And he wanted to do something different. So... We made my record, Vintage Curses, and it was it was a blast. Be, before we actually get in more into the record, I, what what, what kind of what really fascinates me about um, your career is that you 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 there's a lot of things that fascinate me about the career your career and I of great interest. But you're you have two, you, like you're saying you you have there's two different art forms that you use to express yourself. You use your, express yourself through hip hop and also through heavy metal. Uh, how do these art forms differ? when using them to express yourself artistically and then how do they differ when you use yourself to express yourself um, uh, personally? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's weird because they're different yet. They're the same. I mean, now they're a little more similar to me because of the vibe of my record is, you know, I've been playing people say, well, how can you be, you know, a rapper right now? You've been screaming in heavy metal bands for 20 years. You know, how are you doing this? And what on earth are you going to talk about? And what kind of music are you going to do? I didn't want to come out and try to make a, a rap record in 2015 last year that, you know, sounded modern and radio friendly. You know, I didn't want to do something that was being done. I thought, you know what? I'm from the old school. I'm from the golden era and I want to make a vintage vibe record. And I think vintage curses sort of, it means two things. It means the witchy curses side of it, but it also means like curses because I curse a lot. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, so, you know, and I couldn't go back to being Terry B the way I was, you know, 20 something years ago, doing the sort of gangster's mall, gangster 
West Coast female gangster thing, which came from hanging out with the people I was surrounded by. Um, but I was also very young. And, you know, back then, people, people don't realize I wrote my lyrics back then. A lot of people think other people wrote my stuff for me. I did it myself. And, you know, I wasn't the greatest writer back in those days. I also, and I'll admit it, you know, looking back, I can, I can have an honest, you know, opinion of things. And I think I wanted to make the record I was never capable of making back then because I really didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, maybe if I had had other people write my material and gone in and had Dr. Dre produce my record, I probably would have popped off like Eminem at the time, you know, and been huge. But there were things behind the scenes that I just wasn't agreeing with. And for my own self-respect and integrity, I had to do it my way. You know, I burned some bridges along the way. I made some enemies. I wasn't easy to work with, but I wanted to be a self-made person. And whether people loved me or hated me, you know, I wanted to know that I did it myself. And I was really proud of that fact. And I think that with Vintage Curses, you know, having played in heavy metal sort of a dark art, you know, and... You know, it, within my lyrics and, you know, when I first started out in the heavy metal world with my early band, Manhole, I was very much an activist. I talked about women's rights. I talked about pro-choice issues. You know, I talked about rape and domestic violence. I was working at About a Woman's Center, Rock for Choice Foundation, Feminist Majority. I was doing, raising a, awareness and putting on concerts, raising money for bulletproof vests for abortion clinics that were being shot up. And to protect some of the people and the workers there and working on the front lines of different things. And as the years went on and I started going on the road, I couldn't do necessarily a lot of things at home that I was doing before. So I spent a lot of time on the road and my music started developing different. I started getting more into screaming and less like being sort of a rap rock thing. Cause in the beginning it was more of a rap rock thing and I was very militant about it and very, very scary. And, um, you know, I started, I started to mellow out a bit and get a bit more introspective instead of just fuck you, fuck you, you know, and coming at everybody. I sort of came inward, got a little darker. And over the years, my music developed. And especially when I started my ruin in 1999 and I met my guitar player, who's now my husband, who I've been with for 16 years, you know, we got really more into the writing, you know, doing and he taught me a lot and I, I learned you know to hone my craft and it it got a lot darker you know so doing vintage curses for me isn't like some big fake thing of hey guess what I'm a witch now you know like I was a gangster now I'm a witch you know that's not the thing it's it's me basically um kind of showing a different side of who you know who I am than I was you know 25 years ago obviously I've grown up I'm a I'm a grown woman now that's kind of when I use a crone thing, you know, a crone, a lot of people see it as the ugly old woman, you know, uh, the hag, that sort of archetype. But I look at it more like, you know, um, a woman who's, I guess, venerated for her experience, you know, wisdom. She's grown up. She can look at things in a different light. And I think Vintage Curses sort of represents the whole of me. I, I think the music, a lot of the things we use on it, it's very sample heavy. You know, I'm... I didn't get a lot of things cleared because I thought, my God, I don't have a label deal for this. And, you know, I'm not going to go out there and try to make a bunch of money off it. I just want to give it away and have people check it out and enjoy it and sort of pay homage to the art of rap and the art of hip hop, you know, and the old school, which is why I took so many things in it and made it really have an old school kind of vibe. 
and and sound you know just pay respect to the architects how much of this how much of the album vintage Curtis, uh for you is also uh kind of a reintroduction of yourself to uh hip-hop fans and also the hip-hop community well, I suppose all of it is, you know, I think that, I think that Beware the Crone is definitely the first introduction, you know, we put that out, I purposely put that out because I thought, okay, you know, the first thing I'm going to get is, she's 50 years old, what the fuck, you know, and uh, oh my God, she's tattooed and she's got black hair and, you know, she looks nothing like she used to look. I mean, I've seen, I've seen comments, you know, obviously, you know, you see things that people write online and we live in a day and age where, you know, everything's online and the internet can be a wonderful place or it can be, you know, um, a nightmare as certain people like Ice-T likes to sing about <laughs> in Body Count. But, um, you know, it's, you see these things and, and I think for some people they like to remember me, Terry B. You know, there, there are people in the hip hop world who think, some people think I died. It's hilarious. Like what happened to her? Did she die? You know, or, they don't know that I went on to do a heavy metal career. Right. So they're, they're thinking she's coming back now and she's got this crazy new image. Where is this from? And it's like, well, this, it's not really an image I've concocted from somewhere. I've worn black for the past 20 years. You know, I mean, I wore it when I was a rapper, you know, right. it's, I'm, you know, I don't talk about my religious beliefs or really my politics a lot openly, but, um, you know, it's just, it's a representative, representation of who I am as a woman. And I think, you know, the whole triple goddess vibe is a very feminine vibe. It's, you know, feminine energy. It's, it's mystery. It's, it's, uh, inspired by the moon. It's inspired by the things I love and who I am. And I think that I wanted beware the crone to be that introduction of just like I did back in the old days when I said, I call myself a ruthless bitch. And, you know, the guys wanted to easy, had this idea of doing a song at the end of my album where everybody called me a bitch. And, you know, they did the last song. They did all the different things in NWA and DOC and Above the Law. They all had their last song kind of things. And um, he had that idea for me. And he wanted Ice Cube or, you know, the DOC to write it and have it be called I Ain't Your Bitch. And they'd all call me a bitch. And by the end verse, I'd come back with, you know, I Ain't Your Bitch, you stupid motherfuckers. And... I do my sort of retort to everybody. And I just thought, fuck that. You know, I'm going to call myself a bitch. I'm going to take it and I'm going to define it. So I came up with being in total control of herself. And I thought, that's going to be, you know, my thing. I'm going to be the ruthless bitch. You're going to call me one? Well, fuck it. I'm going to take it to the next level, call myself one. Before any woman was doing that back in hip hop, it was like a no-no. And Easy was like, you want to do what? You know, and I said, fuck it, you know, I'm not going to have you guys all dog me on the record. No way. Not on my record. So he thought that was great. He's like, I I actually really like that idea. And so I went with that. And then 25 years later, I thought, well, you know, everybody's used the bitch thing till it's played out, really. You know, I'm sort of the wicked witch now. That's what a lot of people see me as in heavy metal, you know, um, Definitely not the hottest chicken metal, more like the coldest. So, um, you know, I went with the witch thing and I sort of defined that as, you know, women in the coven of hip hop. And I thought, okay, 25 years later, that, that makes sense. And I've sort of been in this coven of hip hop for many years. And, you know, it's been a part of me, even though I've been playing heavy metal, you know, I, 
I've loved I've never lost my love for it. I've always listened to old school rap. I I've sound checked to microphone fiend for years, you know, at every tour we've done. And it's, you know, it's just been, you know, it's a part of who I am. So making the album to me is, was a natural progression. It wasn't some weird thing. Uh, the track, uh, the record, uh, Bitchcraft, uh, the first two minutes of that record, you you know, your flow, your beat is, would be considered what slow pace, right? But yeah. then the beat speeds up as well as your flow. And my ears tell me this is a way of you presenting two eras of hip hop on one track. The beat is murder. She wrote, it goes in see, this is what it does. It, I wanted the beat. I wanted, I had this idea for bitchcraft because I love the old song, Frank Sinatra, witchcraft. And I had seen this one, one performance of Elvis too, with Frank Sinatra, where they each did each other's songs and they did this kind of witchcraft thing. And I thought it was really cool. And I, I always thought, God, someone ought to use that in hip hop, you know, with Frank doing it. And then I thought, oh, I'll sample Ice Cube saying bitch and make a bitchcraft. Okay, that's kind of cool. And um, so then I, I kind of put, I wanted the vibe to be this. I, I sampled some Nick Cave thing on it. I love Nick Cave, one of my favorite artists. And I sampled the thing from Tupelo with that and um, made it sort of, I wanted the song to be about Mother Nature the vibe of mother nature and the destruction she can do. And, you know, she's, she's the beautifier, but she's also the destroyer. And I wanted that to have that sort of vibe and it pays homage to the past as well. And a little sampling of MC Ren in there and different things. And then I came across this 12 inch of murder. She wrote that I had in my vault. And I thought people always say to me, why don't you redo murder? She wrote and do a heavy metal version. I'm like, Fuck no, I'm not going to do a heavy metal version of that. But what if I was to take this and make it go back? And I talked to my husband about it when we were working on it. And he said, it's a great idea. Let's do it. So we brought it back. And then I did the first couple uh, lines from the original. And we just kicked it into the sped up remix, you know, the instrumental. And he plays live drums on it and on most of the songs on the record. So, yeah. So, yeah, I went back to the, you know, took it back. Uh, a track I really like is uh, Spirit Queen. And I, and I, for me, I feel like that's the song that kind of really introduces, reintroduces us to you and your career. But I'm always fascinated by, like, track placement, right? But, it, for, but it's also the fifth track on the album. Uh, I guess, is there a reason why this was in the middle of the album? Well, you know, I was actually thinking about having that be the first song, strangely enough, because of the fact that um, I use a, a rock sample in there. We sample Pentagram, which is like the original Doom band before Black Sabbath. Um, we also sample Coven in there. And, you know, there's live drums and stuff on it, but it's got a rock vibe. So I thought maybe that would be interesting, you know, coming from rock right back into the rap thing. But then it felt more like a, a sort of a, a, when I was, you know, arranging the album, I just wanted to kind of tell a story. And once I had the whole album recorded, I felt like it was flowing better where it was as a story. It's, it's the song that truly represents, you know, the three stages, the triple goddess, the, you know, creatrix, preserver, destroyer, and the starting out with the waxing moon and the maiden and the full moon, the mother and the waning moon of the crone and you know, going from the white, red to black stages in the moon phases. But yeah, it um, it's one of my favorite tracks on the record because it sort of tells the different stories from the early years of on the Ruthless Records, you know, vibe to my heavy metal years to coming back now. 
on Sky Above and City Below, you spit the only chick to go from rap to rock back to rap again. Um, so I'm wondering a couple of things. How much of um, how much of you going following a following into a rock career help you kind of expand your music uh, musical taste? But then also, what rules were you able to? What musical rules kind of were you able to borrow when? and bend when you were doing each of the genres like when you're doing rock what did you borrow from rap and when you're doing rap what did you borrow from rock well i don't think that i i think with my new album i didn't want it this is the one thing that really bothers me you know i didn't want to affect a voice affect an attitude you know i didn't want to have this affectation i didn't want to come back suddenly after you know being a screamer in heavy metal for 20 years and suddenly talk like I'm this ultimate hip hop chick and I'm trying to put on some, you know, some voice that isn't mine. You know, I, I gotta be really honest with you. When I came into doing this record, you know, I've been out of the scene, the hip hop world for a very long time. So I wasn't familiar with a lot of the white female rappers that are out now that are popular. You know, I, I just, you know, this past year kind of started learning about them all. My world was completely different. You know, I listen to doom music and, you know, different things, it's, you know, and PJ Harvey and Nick Cave and, you know, my, my world is very different. So, you know, when I came back in and I sort of did a little uh, history and homework, what was been going on, um, because like I said, I also don't really listen to a lot of modern hip hop. I listen to old school stuff. I started discovering these females and I just thought, well, that girl kind of reminds me of me way back when. She looks like me back in the early 90s, or she sounds like kind of this way or that way, or, you know, it was kind of strange. I was kind of tripping out on certain things, but um, I noticed that a lot of people were trying to sort of sound a certain way, and it came off very contrived to me. And I thought, well, maybe people thought I did that back in the day, you know, but I really didn't. You know, I didn't make a conscious effort to try to sound like someone I wasn't. I was just always trying to be myself on the microphone. Maybe it wasn't, you know, great back in the day because I was, I didn't have this like amazing flow. I wasn't spitting crazy rhymes. You know, I, I was trying to teach myself. I didn't have a lot of people guiding me, even though I was signed to a certain label, there wasn't people in there like writing my shit and telling me how to say it and spit like this and do this and let's go, you know, perform here and perform there. I didn't have a lot of experience. And I think that having spent 20 years on stage screaming and doing a little bit of the rap rock thing, it's sort of let me be confident. So when I came back to do Vintage Curses, I felt a confidence that I haven't felt, you know, I never felt on the microphone in my early, early days. On my second album that, you know, was unreleased, you know, there were things about that that were a bit more confident and a bit more, I wish I would have put it out, you know, at the time, but I made the genre change to, you know, go into heavy metal and started rapping with the band. And, um, you know, I think that I think you learn a lot from whatever you, you know, you're into and you, you let inspire you. And, you know, as far as my new record, it's, I'm really just trying to let who I've been for 20 years inspire me. And, you know, I didn't want to come off sort of sounding phony. You know, I think that would just kill it. It would kill the vibe. And maybe I don't sound like the typical rap chick on it, but I'm being me. And I think that if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And that's okay. Either way. I want to ask, I do want to ask about the kind of, the, what I'm fa- also fascinated about is all like the challenges you've, you've really 
faced in your career. But before that, I want to, I'm always, I think the, the great thing about heavy metal music is that, well, especially with the lead singers, is that their vocal control is fast, is like incredible to me. Because it, you know, to one person, it sounds like it's screaming, but the way they go from pitch to pitch, you know, is incredible without killing their voice. Um, how do you, how, <laughs> How do you train? How have you trained yourself? Uh, for it's it's two different musical genres. I mean, how have you trained your vocals to go from, I guess, from heavy metal to rap? And 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 uh, what's the preparation like? Well, I think it's a. Let me tell you something. It was really nice to take a break and do a rap record after screaming for eight records. And you know, I've done. I did Manhole Record early in the 90s. I did the Tourist Satana record, and then I did um, you know eight records with My Ruin over the years. And I've spent you know, years on the road touring and screaming. And, you know, I think that you just develop. I mean, I've never taken, you know, a class in my life. I've never went to a vocal coach because I'm not a singer and I've never considered myself a singer. There's a lot of heavy metal vocalists out there who scream. They go from screaming to like melodic singing. Right. That's not me. You know, I don't sing. I've always had this sort of rap thing. That's what people say. Oh, she hasn't been rapping for years, but it's weird because if you listen to My Ruin or Manhole or any of these things I've done, there's always a sort of a rap thing in there, even though I don't call it rap rock or, you know, that type of thing. But, um, you know, for me, I've just been the type of person where when I go on the road or when I'm in the studio, you know, I try to take care of my voice and, you know, I, I swear and live by throat coat with ginger and honey, you know, it's something, you know, I, I live by. Um, but I think it's, you know, you just, you've just got to, it comes with experience. I think, you know, with anything, your voice is your instrument and you sort of learn how to use it. And the more you use it and the more you're out there on the road, the more you're recording, I really develop my voice by, you know, being in the studio and sort of, like I said, honing my craft and knowing my craft and, you know, there, it was it was very strange. When I first got into heavy metal, there weren't a lot of women that I could look at. Because there were women like Joan Jett that I love. You know, obviously there are women in rock. You know, Patti Smith and Joan Jett and uh, Stevie Nicks and these women, you know, um, they sing, they, they play. But no one was really screaming balls out heavy metal, you know, or, or doing what I was doing. I didn't really have anyone to look at. So I thought, you know, what the fuck am I going to do here? And, you know, I made the transference, obviously, because my main inspiration was seeing Ice-T with Body Count. I saw him perform at Foundations Forum, and I was there with a boyfriend I was dating at the time who was in a rock band. I was still a rapper, and I was, you know, working on my second rap album. I just finished it, and I was about to turn it in. I'd worked with Salt from Salt and Pepper, worked with Julio G, you know, the Baker Boys, all these different people. And I had this record, you know, ready and I happened to see Ice-T with Body Count and I knew him from the, you know, hip hop world. And it just blew me the fuck away. I just thought it was like he directly spoke to me for some reason. And I don't know why it was such a life changing effect he had on me, but he did. And I just knew in that moment, I need to put a band together. This is what I need to be doing. You know, this is my calling. What am I doing? You know, I need to talk about some issues that are really important to me, like, you know, that involve women's rights and, you know, domestic violence and things, you know, that women go through and also that men go through. You know, I was very inclusive and I wasn't a riot girl like some people like to think. You know, I was very um, more about bringing men in and, and talking to everybody um, about the various issues. And I decided 
you know, once I wanted to make that change, I decided to go full blown into that world and, and sort of learn about it. And people like Phil Anselmo and Rob Flynn and Henry Rollins, these were the men on the microphone that I could relate to because they, they talked, but they screamed and they were just these crazy screams. And I thought, oh my God, I've never heard anything like that. Especially Henry Rollins, you know, the Rollins fan. I, you know, I love Black Flag early on in my years too. And, you know, he always had that talk screen kind of mad, pissed off thing. And I loved it. And, uh, you know, they, these were the guys that sort of sent me on my path to, to find out who I was as a woman on the mic and discovering my voice, you know, and over the years, I think you just, you know, you, you sort of, uh, know what you can do, what you're capable of and what you're not. And when you're on the road, you got to take care of things. I think going to do the, the rap record was a really nice, it was a nice rest. I hadn't rested my voice in so many years. I mean, my husband was like, ah, oh, it's a trip to hear you really rap like this or to put this stuff together. And, you know, usually he produces everything with my ruin. I mean, I write the lyrics, but he's a producer. He plays, you know, bass, drums, guitar, and he puts it all together. And, um, he does the magic. And with this, I was like, look, I've got the ideas for this. I want to produce this with, I want you to help me, but these ideas are going to come strictly from me. This is going to be my baby. And I really sort of went to him with the concept of what I wanted to do. And he made it happen with me. He was amazing. And, you know, it was a nice change from screaming heavy metal for so long. I mean, throughout your career, you've, you've faced, you know, challenges. First, you were, you were, you were a white, you know, a white woman trying to break into a male, a black male dominated art. And you even mentioned it, I think, on an interview you did with, in 1990 with Easy e how you were trying to break into this black music. Um, and now you've, 25 years later, uh, how has, with Vintage Kirches, what obstacles, is, is, is being a white woman or being white still an obstacle in rap music? Uh, and is, or is it more being a woman or is it more being the, your age? Well, you know, it's weird because yeah, you're right. Back then it was the being the white thing. It was a novelty, you know, I mean, there were the Beastie Boys, obviously third base and, you know, Everlast and you had young black teenagers and freaking vanilla ice, but you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, you had what you had back then you had the, you know, I could get lumped in with anybody back then. And, um, you know, I was a novelty. And now I don't really think it's a novelty anymore. You've got, you know, what evidence, Eminem, uh, Sage Francis, B. Dull, you know, you've got so many people now. And then on the female side of it, I mean, you know, it's weird. It, it, I hate to say this, but it feels like there's a lot more, um, white male rappers that are coming a little, little more legitimate right. than a lot of the women. You know, I don't really relate to the women. I'm just not into the whole sex myself up bit. You know, sell myself on sex, talk about all this nasty shit. I'm just not into it. You know, I wasn't into it when Little Kim did it. I wasn't into it when you know certain people took hip hop. I mean, I'm from the school of MC Light and Salt and Pepper and Yo Yo and Queen Latifah and you know Nikki D and you know Boss. You know, Conscious Daughters. These these chicks that were just badass on the mic, and they didn't. You know, it wasn't all about sexing it up. And turn it into, you know, what it's kind of become. And that's a shame to me because a lot of these women out there can actually rap. Right. But, you know, they got to rap half naked and talking about, you know, 
all this nasty shit all the time. And I think I just, that really turns me off. I mean, that's what ad nauseum is about, you know, being turned off from that. Like, where are the sisters that were bringing it back in the day? Where are the women that just came out and just fucking brought it? Where are those girls? Instead, it's like tits and ass everywhere. You know, I'm just so, it's like this pop nightmare that is infiltrated everything because everybody has to have this pop thing, you know, and I just don't really relate to that. And I think that now coming back as an, I want to say as a real adult, you know, having the experience, you know, somebody's got a problem with me because I'm white. Fuck them. I really don't give a shit at this point. I really don't. And my age, ageism is just like racism. It's just like sexism. It's just another fucking ism, you know? And I think it's ridiculous. I mean, Chuck D, look how old he is. Look how old Ice-T is. They can crush it. You know, Um, Ice Cube, these guys, Dub C, they're the originate. Paris just put out a fucking album. It's incredible. Pistol Politics, one of the best rap albums. That guy has stayed true to himself over the years, Mm -hmm. just from day one. And I have so much respect for that, you know, because... You know, he's never sold out his shit. He's always stayed true, you know, to who he is and his message and and what he wants to get across. And I think that that is something to be commended, especially in this music business, which is so fickle and phony. And, you know, I don't really think it's about me being a white woman anymore. You know, I think it's just, you know, either you make a good record or you don't. You know, if I came out with a shit record, I'd understand it. I want to go quickly go back to uh, a comment you made about uh, women today in rap, um, and you and you also spoke about uh, your track, the, the track in uh, "Ruthless Bitch." Um, do you think the term you use the the term "bitch" to for empowerment? But do you think you fast forward today? Do you think the term "bitch" it seems to be used a lot? Do you think it's used more for empowerment, or is it actually back to a term that people are using as a derogatory term? Well, listen, it's been thoroughly reappropriated <laughs> you know what I mean I mean um, oh my god urban dictionaries or you know some of these things like everyone likes to say the bad bitch you know and describe that as whatever they want to say um, you know I think yeah I mean it, it's gotten a bit ridiculous over the years I say it a little bit on my record because I'm like you know I was the original girl in hip hop that said it long before these chicks and you know, when everyone else was afraid to say it, and I remember Easy saying, you're going to call yourself a bitch on record, get ready. It's just like the N-word. We got shit. You know, people are not going to, and people didn't like it. And there were people that could not believe it. I mean, I went to England for the first time, and I'll never forget it. I, I flew to England to do a press tour. And when I arrived there, um, you know, I was I was told, oh, your big posters, they used to have these gigantic street posters back then. And for my record, my single, it said, this bitch raps. And I was a picture of me putting on lipstick. And I guess all the feminists in England just went thoroughly crazy. And they were ripping down my posters and defacing them and spraying them out because I used the word bitch. And it caused this big uproar over there. And, you know, everyone was writing about it and talking about it. And I just thought it was funny. I was like, this is what, you know, Easy went through with the whole thing that they're doing. They're just, you know... They're doing it for the. I, I was doing it for my reason, sort of to take the power back. Like you know, um, like the word queer. You know, you call yourself a queer. You're gay. You're taking the power from someone else calling you that name. Right. You know, what I mean? and I sort of wanted to take the power away from the word. Word. I wanted to bring my own power to it and define it, which is what I did. And 
you know, now when I look at, you know, every chick calling herself a bitch and bitches, I have to look at it as the whole of the song. How are you using the term? How are you, what are you saying in the rest of your lyrics? You know, what's the connotation in the context you're trying to get across? Because when I'm saying it, I know what I'm trying, I'm trying to say with it. And it's a little bit different, I think. You know, I, I, I definitely preach self-respect and self-empowerment. And I think that it would it would be wonderful if a lot more of these women would. But at the end of the day, you got managers and record labels and people behind them saying, no, 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 just go whore yourself out. You know, it's not their image they're pushing. They're pushing someone else's image. You've got to live with that. And people are willing to do that because they're making a lot of money and selling a lot of records and the world is eating it up. You know, you don't see someone like, for instance, Paris is not someone who is out there winning awards for his incredible, you know, vocal prowess and lyrical ability and, you know, what he, he can do. You see people like Little Wayne winning awards. Whatever, you know. It's like you look at the two and you're like, I'd rather listen to Paris, you know. I mean, he's saying something that's uplifting and empowering to people. Um, same thing with, you know, females in rap. And I don't really think I've seen a, a woman in rap I can't really name one. I mean, maybe I just don't know who it is, but from what I've seen at the moment, I haven't really seen a woman that steps up and, you know, isn't about a bunch of plastic body parts and, you know, vulgar as hell. So I'd like to see somebody come out and, you know, I think we need, we need powerful voices, young voices you know, in heavy metal as well, there's a lot of women that are really slutting it up in heavy metal. And I think it's, it's sickening, you know, and it's just the whole tits and ass thing. I mean, okay, great. You got a pair of tits. You got an ass. Awesome. We all do. Right. <laughs> so then what, you know, what else do you got? So it's, you know, where does it end? And I don't know. I, I think we're in a day and age where it's just been so overly driven. Get that money shot. On Vintage Curses, you're out in the new album. Uh, you kind of you say you were raised on NWA. I'm just curious, what what when you first had NWA, what was your like initial thoughts? If, and then what kind of attracted you to them? Well, I heard NWA for the very first time from a record you may remember, maybe you don't. It was called LA's The Place. Yes. And it was on NWA and the Posse. I think it was like 19... Seven maybe came out. It's kind of around the same time. I think um, Ice had a Ice T had a song called "Dog in the Wax," um, which I sample on "Down Is Dirt." Um, but I, when I first heard NWA, I heard "L.A. Is the Place," and I just thought, "What a cool fucking song! What is this shit?" You know, and um, it was what kind of drew me to that and drew me to them. You know, and that whole vibe and. The gangster. It was very weird. I don't. I've never been able to understand. Really. I mean, my husband and I talked about this while we were making the record. My love of sort of old school gangster hip hop. You know, West Coast hip hop. And what what has drawn me? I'm I'm surprised that you know the stuff I used to write wasn't more in that realm. Or you know, I wasn't a really great writer in the early days. I was just sort of I was drawn to all that, but yet for myself. I wasn't like, well, I can write this, that, and the other. I started getting more developed as a writer on my second record, but um, single white female. But in the early days, I mean, when I would listen to Eric B and Rakim and Paid in Full and you know, Criminal Minded and different things, and even the early shit. I mean, Schooly D played me some early 
when I went to Philly to work with Schooley, he played me, you know, early public enemy stuff. And um, I was just drawn to the hardness of it all. This, the strength in the vocals and the, you know, it was, I mean, obviously with people like, you know, Rakim and Karis one and Chuck, it was really about their lyrical thing. They were amazing lyrically. The music was killer too. People like Schooly D, he wasn't some great lyricist, let's be honest. His music was incredible. And, you know, he had the hooks and he had the fucking music that was just the production was, he was a great producer. And, you know, um, I don't know. I just, you know, Low Profile were another group that I was really drawn to. They had a record out really early on. I think the same year mine came out called We're In This Together. And it was, you know, a killer rap record. You know, I, I just thought everything about it. And it was so sort of, you know, what I loved about that, too, is it was sort of um, bare bones almost sounding. Well, not bare bones, but it wasn't so overly produced. And I love that vibe. You know, when you hear some of the early hip hop records and they're not just overly produced, right. um, they just sound kind of dirty and scary. NWA was like that. They're really scary and dirty. And I just thought, okay, I don't agree with all the subject matter, but I like the way it makes me feel when I listen to it. It's, it's scary. I think, I, I, you know, good music has to evoke something, whether it's heavy metal or, you know, whatever it is, it, you know, it has to evoke a feeling in you. And who's to say what that feeling is or where it comes from, you know, with anything. Which record on your album do you think kind of best defines your your mission with this album, uh, Vintage Curses, and then kind of which best represents you right now in your, at your point in your career? Well, I think Beware the Crone, definitely. I think that's kind of the reason we put that first, because it's a mission of, in, it's, a, it's a mission statement. It's, it's a statement of intent. It's sort of saying, yes, I know I'm the crone. I know I'm the old, but beware of what you're about to get. Get ready. You weren't, you weren't ready for what's coming. And it sort of is saying, you know, um, you may have thought you knew, but this is who I am. This is what I am. And, you know, it's sort of wearing it with pride. And, you know, I mean, obviously I love Wicked Witch of the West Coast. I think it's a fun song. You know, it's it was great making it. I love, I love the idea of, I heard Ice Cube doing two West Coast and he had a line in there that said, uh, murder's what she wrote. This is more evil. And I thought, are you kidding me? That's the line that kicked off the whole making of the record. Actually, that was the first song that we recorded and it all stemmed from that one Ice Cube line just because it inspired me. And I thought, okay, that kind of says it murder's what she wrote back then, but this is more evil. And that just summed up the whole fucking record for me right there. Um, but, you know, I think Beware the Crone is, you know, it's sort of, it's the the message as a whole. So what's next? The, I, the, would this be, a, would, um, are you going to go on tour for the record or? I'm not really thinking about going on tour. I mean, I've talked about it, you know, I have... I have talked to my husband about it. You know, we've taken a hiatus from my ruin. We were touring my ruin for past 16 years and making music. And honestly, um, I really just want to work on a book right now. And so I've, I've been kind of taking a break. I, I don't, I never know. I can't say I'm never going to do it because I don't know. You know, I may go in 
and start working on a new album because I've been wanting to, I've been writing and wanting to do a little follow up to Vintage Curses. And, um, you know, there's a few other projects I'm currently working on as well. But I, I want to get going on this book. I think it's important to finally bring out this book and tell my story. And, you know, last year when I released Vintage Curses, it was a very strange thing because I picked a date for it to come on, come out. You know, I put out the single Beware the Crone and I was putting everything out by moon phases. And I picked a release date for the album, not knowing it was the same day the NWA movie was coming out. I really didn't know. I picked it due to a moon phase. And um, my husband said, you know, it's, it's the same day. And um, I didn't know on that Friday that come Monday, there was going to be this huge upheaval, you know, about the film and about my past association with Dr. Dre and all the women that he assaulted back in the day. And suddenly everything took a weird turn, you know, and I was starting to work on my book as well at this point. And then all these people started calling and wanting to discuss, can you tell us what happened 20 years ago? And I thought, what the hell's going on? And I know Dee Barnes did something and she mentioned me, she named checked me in it and my incident. And then it just kind of blew up from there. And, you know, after that, my husband's brother had passed away, sadly, and we dealt with the death and the funeral and everything that went on surrounding that. And I just had to kind of take a break from everything. And I let my record come out. You know, I put the music out. I didn't want people to think, oh, she's trying to ride off this thing right now. And it was just weird to me. The whole thing just got kind of strange. And I just kind of took a break. I, I was creative. I did a couple of videos, did a few remixes with Pale Face Junkies and Mediatrix and tried to feel creative. And now I think it's time to kind of jump back in and maybe even talk about what happened with when that all broke, you know, in my book and kind of mention doing vintage curses and going back, you know, not just the story of 20 years ago, but kind of tie it into my returning to, you know, this world 20 years later and, and make that a part of it. Cause I think it, it's finally a story that needs to be told. I think I need to tell my experiences on Easy's label and dealing with everything that, you know, I dealt with back then with all of these people. Terry B, latest album, Vintage Curses. Thank you so much for joining me in the library with Tim Einico on RapStation.com. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Picture a chick that's mean. Amplify the pitch and I'll become a scream queen. Motherfucker, don't test me. You address me with respect or you check like a rest seat. I'm possessed when I'm pissed. More scary than the omen or the exorcist. I'm sick with this. Infamous when I spit the original bitch. With the trademark lips. Check your diss, you'll find me. But if you don't, better check your history. First dropped in 1990. One of a kind. When easy sign me. Raised in the sun on that gangster shit. And I paid my due set on trip. Oh, you got a problem with it? Yeah, I'm back and I flip the script to a new chapter, like the rapture. So get left behind or adapt your mind to rewind and to read the signs like a pastor. Before and after, the head got blacker, the voice got deeper, I got stronger. Well, they got weaker, cheaper, showing that ass like trash. But I'm going to come back with class and pass to shed an insult to those egos. My lips are lethal, tongue deadly's a gun on the microphone. Beware the crone. Double toil and trouble. My cauldron boil and bubble with blood, sweat and honesty, blowing kisses to my critics. Like 
like a true OG. Wings calling through the trees. Hecate, I call upon thee. Find my enemies and leave them weak. From the public tree I speak. Guard the circle which I cast. With the wolf and clear my path as I go faster. Cause I have to craft a rhyme designed to catch up. Thank killer, mocking bird, line to line and word for word. The mistress of magic will be rich. Beguile as I kick it freestyle. Watch the transformation happen. From screaming back to rapping, tapping into my intuition. On a mission, y'all keep wishing I'd go away, but I won't. I'm here to stay like a woman's butt, throwing up the goat. As I won't make back, what's done is done. But I ain't done yet. Let that resonate like the bell jar while I write my memoir. In fucking smoke from the microphone Beware the crow BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.